This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 856. What's going on, everyone? It's David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast. Joined today with my co host, Ashley Kerr. And boy, have we got a show for you. If you have been struggling to figure out how to make real estate investing work in this challenging market, or asking the question of, well, what would work for me? Today's show is for you. Our guest, Hunter Lawler, has an incredible story where he blazed his own path and then left breadcrumbs so me, Ashley, and you can follow in his footsteps. Hunter has an incredible story where he started off dropping out of college to start a business, put that money into a double-wide, yes, double-wide mobile home right out of the bayous of Louisiana, scaled that into a portfolio of 15 properties, got in self-storage, and did a whole bunch of other stuff all while working a W-2 job. I love this story. I love the example that's being set, and I love today's podcast. Ashley, welcome to the show. What are some things that people should keep an eye out for that really crushed it in today's show? Well, thank you so much for having me as your co-host. I know that you personally selected me, and it is very much appreciated. Uh, with Hunter, I you, first of all, I got to say you are a very vivid storyteller. I'm more to the facts, and I'm just going to say that we are having two master classes today, and one is going to be on screening a tenant, and the other one is going to be on sheriff sale. So David and I don't have any experience in this. So this was a whole learning process for us too. Absolutely. You get a ton of information at a very fast clip in an incredibly entertaining fashion. You're all right, let's bring him in. Hunter Lawler, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. How are you today? Doing well, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah. First off, your name sounds like you should be in the WWE. Has anyone ever told you that you sound like a professional wrestler? Uh, No, but the last name usually triggers it quite a bit. Yeah. And the first name, like you're hunting and you're a lawler. <laughs> you're, you're made for this. But that's not what you do. You're actually a real estate investor with an incredible story. So why don't you start off letting us know how you got started uh, in work and in real estate? Yeah. So I really can't... Uh talk about my real estate journey without giving credit to a side hustle that I started while I was in college. Um, I was working Monday, Wednesday, Friday for a family-owned construction company and going to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I could see the writing on the wall very early on that I would need another source of income to kind of keep up with a high cost of living. So I started thinking of ways to make some extra money. And I thought everybody in Louisiana likes crawfish. So I decided to open up a crawfish business, uh, bought a catering trailer from a guy in my hometown. And the crawfish business ended up being very successful. And it got to the point where I got so busy with the crawfish that uh, I started failing in college because I couldn't go to class. So a little side story with that. One day I was walking in to take an exam. It was about 9 a.m. And I got a call from one of my best customers. And he says, hey, Hunter, can you uh, bring 400 pounds of crawfish and have them ready on an oil field location by 4 p.m.? And I was like, oh, man, that's that sounds like a good job. I, and in my head, I was thinking, you know, I can make two thousand dollars off this job profit. And uh, but at the same time, I was walking in to take an exam and I was like, man, if I miss this test, I failed this class. And uh, so needless to say, I took the two thousand dollars and went and fired up the pot. Uh, but you know, as I was driving to this job, I was kind of, you know, weighing out, did I make the right decision? Because, you know, I could either make this $2,000 and fail this test or pass the test and lose this customer. And the more I thought about it, I had learned more in the two to three months of owning my own business than two years of college had taught me. And, you know, I don't, I don't want the listener to take away like, hey, you need to drop out of college and go make $35,000 a year selling crawfish. What I do want you to take away is knowing that 
experience is a way better teacher than the classroom. Uh, you know, whenever I bought that trailer, it was December and I knew that I had to be up and running by February. And due to that pressure of pulling the trigger, like keep in mind, I knew nothing about cooking crawfish at this point. I knew nothing about running a business. I didn't know what an LLC was. I didn't know what type of insurance I needed. Uh, but because I pulled the trigger on it, it forced me to get creative and figure out what the next step were in order to uh, make it successful. You know, I got to say, you're sounding like the backstory of a WWE wrestler being from Louisiana, <laughs> selling crawfish. Well, we haven't even got to the end of the story. Maybe he ends the episode with he actually is a WWE yes, wrestler. I know, like... Absolutely. Well, no, if you saw my stature, you'd be like, oh, that little guy's not in the WWE. So you were in the position where you had to decide, am I going to stick with school or am I going to start a business? Ultimately, you followed the money and the education experience that comes from that. What ended up happening with school? Did you retake that class or did you drop out? It was a wrap after that. And like I said, I knew I was going to get into the construction industry. And there's you don't need a degree to be a a contractor all you need to do is go test pass a test with the state of louisiana and pretty much they give you a license and they say good luck don't go broke so what was the point where you decided to learn about real estate so you have this business going on you've decided to not go back to school are you still continuing this crawfish business what happened no so actually you kind of lead me into i sold the crawfish business uh and ended up by using that cash from selling the business to buy my first rental property. And uh, my first rental property cost me $42,500. It was a double wide on an acre of land. And this wasn't, you know, in a trailer park. It was just, you know, double wide on the outskirts of town, came with an acre of land. I was like, okay, this is, seemed like a good deal. It didn't look like too much was wrong with it. But I know I said that I paid cash 42500 for it. And I know there's probably some listeners thinking right now, like, you idiot, why'd you spend all your money on the house? Like, why didn't you, you know, leverage the bank's money? But dude, at that time, I didn't know. I must have been on like a Dave Ramsey kick or something like that. Didn't want any debt. Uh, so that being said, uh, I did spend all my money on the purchase. So I really didn't have any money to hire a contractor on the rehab. So that's whenever I got my uh, crash course in sweat equity. <laughs> and uh, me and a buddy of mine pretty much just spent weekends over there uh, on YouTube a lot figuring out how to build a frame for a bathtub, uh, painting, putting up trim. But that being said, since we did most of the work, I was only into repairs, maybe two to $3,000 before we had it finished up. Hunter, the DIY destroyer Lawler, crawls out of the bayous of Louisiana, <laughs> starts a crawfish business, saves up his money, keeps it all, drops out of school, uses that money to pay cash for, yes, a double wide. You heard that right then fixes it all up himself to save even more. This incredible origin story is yours, Bigger Pockets. You're welcome. We're going to be going to a quick break. And when we come back, we will hear what the next phase of this superhero's journey was really like. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. 
Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability. With Plaid certified tenant income and assets reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. All tenant screening and verification is paid by the tenant and done through the desktop and mobile app. It's time to say goodbye to gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. And as a matter of fact, all Bigger Pockets pros have Rent Ready included in your pro membership. If you're not a pro, Rent Ready is offering you 50% off of their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2024. That's R E N T R E D I.com using code BP2024. That's VP, like Bigger Pockets, in the year 2024 to save 50% off of one year of Rent Ready. All right. Welcome back. Everybody has been waiting with bated breath to hear about the next phase of this journey of yours. I'm trying to figure out what more Louisiana stereotypes we could possibly work in to this thing. Like, was Theo Vaughn one of your first sponsors on this deal? Did Gambit from the X-Men show up and throw some assistance in this? Like, What did you do once you had this property? You've now framed out a bathtub. You've done all the work yourself. It is a double wide. By the way, are double wides literally twice as wide as single wides, or are they just wider? Good question, but I'm pretty sure it's twice, like exactly. So they're accurately named. Absolutely. Well, thank you, because we don't get to talk about this very often on the podcast, but something tells me you're going to see more and more people taking the same journey that you took, because as margins get smaller, we have to get more creative. So how did that deal end up? And then what was your next one? Yeah. So uh, like I said, I ended up renting the house out not long after we finished the rehab. And 
after we finished the rehab, I was, uh, after listening to bigger pockets, you know, I'm figuring out like, you know, what's the best way to tap into the equity of this home. So I reached out to a local lender and he recommended that I set up a commercial line of credit, which would allow me to tap into 70% of the home's equity. Hunter, real quick, can you explain what the difference between a commercial line of credit compared to just what a regular line of credit is? Ooh, that is a good question. So the only line of credits I can think about are a commercial line and a HELOC. A HELOC is basically a home equity line of credit, and you use your personal residence to uh, use the equity in your personal residence to set up a line of credit. But in this commercial line, basically the the house that I'm collateralizing is my rent house. Is that yeah, and you're going on the commercial side of lending too. You're talking yes. to a different loan officer than you would if it was your primary residence. Yes, great point. Great point. I guess I already had that relationship. And usually not as great of an interest rate either, too. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And it is definitely not good right now. But uh yeah, absolutely. It's it's a little steeper than a residential. That seventy you were at that seventy percent. What did that end up being of the value? Yes. Yeah, so I was thinking probably around sixty-five dollars to $70,000, what it would appraise for. And man, the house ended up appraising for $100,000. I'm like, oh man, that's oh. great. I got $70,000 to play with. Now I can find another house. And uh, so I ended up finding another house very quickly, not too far away from the double wide that I bought. And it happened to be, you guessed it, another double wide, $38,000 <laughs> this time. Uh, <laughs> and Anyway, so I bought the second house for $38,000 and this was a complete disaster. I ended up selling it for a loss maybe within a little over a year after I bought it. And that was due to bad tenant screening. I had a bad tenant in there. It got to the point where he was making rent on time for about eight months. And then by the ninth month, I had to call him. I was like, look, man, you know, you got to pay on time. And after that, it was... uh, Pretty much he just ghosted me, vacated the house without telling me. And when I tell you, like, I don't see how you can, like, if you had every intention of destroying that home in one year, I don't see how he did it. Like, it took a lot of effort to get that house as bad of shape as it was in after he moved out. But I say that to say I really didn't put the right tenant in place. Uh, Back then, my pre-screening process looked like I would post a for rent sign in the yard with my cell phone number. Tenants would call me asking me questions about the property and I would answer the same questions over and over. You know, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, are pets allowed, yada, yada. And I would, after that, meet people to show them the home. And, you know, if they would even show up, I would figure out like they don't have a job or like, hey, can you waive like the first two months rent? I'm like, no, absolutely not. Why didn't you ask me this on the phone? But back then I had a very strict list of tenant qualifications and they were number one, do you have a pulse? And number two, do you have the deposit and the first month's rent? If yes, here's a lease, sign it and move in tomorrow. Hunter, before we go any further, I have to ask, what would you do different today? Yes, today I would use my current pre-screening process, which looks like number one, advertise the property on Facebook, Zillow or realtor.com. And typically in my area, whenever I do this, within the first day, I'll have 50 to 100 people uh, inquiring about the property. And instead of writing them all back individually, I create this generic, basically, response that covers all the details about the property. Number of bedrooms, number of baths, square footage, are pets allowed, yes or no? And then I provide them my minimal rental 
uh, qualifications. And in doing that, I also paste a link that allows them to pre-qualify through Rent Ready. Shout out Rent Ready if y'all are still still partners. But uh, so anyway, I, it leads them to Rent Ready where they can pre-qualify. And typically, by the time they pre-qualify, I'm down to 10 to 20 percent of the original applicants. And so after they pre-qualify, I'll run through all of them and make sure they meet our minimum qualification standards, which are now they must exceed three times the monthly rent, their income, and the tenant must have good references. The tenant has to have no prior evictions, have a credit score of 600, and must pass a background check. And after going through all this, I'll email them either an acceptance letter with an opportunity to schedule a viewing or a denial letter, which uh, basically shows which one of the qualification standards that they failed to meet. And now after this, we're down to three to five percent of the original inquiries. And once I have a pool of pre-qualified applicants, I'll schedule maybe one or two showing blocks. And I call these like a landlord open house. And that's when, you know, multiple people come look at the house at the same time. And I think that showing the house while other applicants are there creates a sense of urgency to make them kind of respond faster. And if they like the home, I send them a final application. And at this point, I'm usually down to one to three of most qualified candidates that I can choose from. Well, that's fantastic. Hunter, in the beginning, what do you think was driving you to skip the steps? Was it just a belief that human beings were inherently good? Did you not understand the consequences of picking a bad tenant? Because clearly, once you got this down, you did it well. Why do you think you skipped those initial steps in the beginning? I think in the beginning, obviously, you're putting so much money into these homes, time and effort, and you just want to get it rented as fast as possible. Uh, And number one, I didn't know, like, I think it takes the experience to shift your mindset of like, well, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to like go there and somebody stand me up on meeting uh, or, you know, meet somebody all the way over there for them just to tell me they lost their job. Like, I want to get weed everything out and filter them and pick the most qualified candidate. All right. So it was just if they had a pulse, you'd put them in there. Now, basically, you're putting a lot of information in the showing itself. And then as they're applying, I think you mentioned, what was the next step that you said that you're weeding out to get to only 5% of the people sticking with it? So uh, by the time, you know, you give them all these steps that they have to go through to actually pre-qualify. And then once they pre-qualify, I will either send them an acceptance or a denial letter but it, pretty much I get it from 10% to 5% because they didn't even read the pre-qualification standards. Number one, they showed me their uh, monthly income and it wasn't exceeding three times a monthly rent. Or they have a dog exactly. that says no exactly. pets. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, clearly in the, yeah, they have to see it like three or four times and then they still don't know. And I still have to tell them like, hey, you're denied based upon this. Okay, so now would you feel like screening tenants is actually a strength of yours where at one time it was clearly a weakness? Absolutely. Since I've implemented this strategy, I can honestly say that I have not had one person move out. If they have moved out of one of my houses, it is you can probably eat off the floor by the time it's ready to rent somebody else. You had mentioned Rent Ready. Is there any other tools or software that you're using to do this whole listing and showing and move-in process? No, uh, Rent Ready pretty much provides everything that I need. Uh, the only other thing that I use is QuickBooks, obviously, for accounting purposes. Uh, but other than that, they know it's strictly Rent Ready. All right. So you're rocking and rolling, making some momentum, solving for your mistakes, probably feeling pretty good about yourself. And then COVID hits. Tell us what happened there. Yeah. So up until 
COVID hit, my target market was uh, bank owned or real estate owned properties. And these are properties that have already been foreclosed on, went to the sheriff's sale and the bank ended up buying them back. And once the bank buys these properties back, they make very minor repairs to the properties. And that's usually just enough to either winterize them and uh, make them safe enough to put on the market. Well, during COVID, there was a foreclosure moratorium, uh, which provided relief for federally backed, federally backed loans. And this caused a drastic decrease in the supply of real estate owned properties on the market. And, uh, you know, here I was faced with a choice. Do I say, oh, well, I guess I'll start investing again when the market corrects, or do I dig one step deeper into the foreclosure process and try to catch these things at the sheriff's sale? And cool thing about sheriff sales is that instead of waiting for these properties to hit the market and basically be open to every investor that has access to the MLS, the only competitors you have are the 10 to 20 people that show up at the courthouse that day to bid on these properties. And also another pro is you can typically buy these houses for 20 to 50% less than uh, if you were to wait for them to hit the market. But anyway, uh, so there, you know, there is cons to uh, the sheriff sales. And one of them is that you cannot physically enter the property because that is trespassing. So you're pretty much buying these things sight unseen. Also another con to it, you have to show up with a, with cash, a cashier certified check within four hours after the conclusion of the sale. So there's no like saying, yes, I want to buy this property, bid on it and then go get a loan and then come back to, you know, give them the money. It just doesn't work like that. You have to be very liquid. Uh, and also there's a good chance that a tenant could still be living in the property or the previous owner could still be living in the property. And if that's the case, you have to go through your, you know, local eviction process to get them out. I think Hunter, you come crawling out of like the Louisiana swamp dripping wet, looking for the sheriff's sale. Like I'm hunting deals. My name's Hunter. <laughs> I think that's like for sure the, the stick on that note hunter how do you find these sheriff sales i have no experience in this where do you even go to find out about these auctions yeah so i think every county does a little bit different and you know i say county in louisiana we have parishes for some odd reason but uh and here in caddo parish they advertise the sales on their website which used to be strictly in the newspaper but now they advertise them on the website and what it looks like when they advertise them on the website it's very unclear because all they provide is a suit number uh who the plaintiff is who the defendant is and a legal description of the property so if you can't take that legal description and you know, go to the assessor site and figure out the address yourself. You're not even going to know the address of this place, which I love because it pretty much takes out a lot of the competition because a lot of people are, you know, pretty timid to try to figure it out themselves. But, uh, you know, that being said, whenever you walk into the sales, it can be very intimidating as a rookie because whenever you walk in, all the veterans, all the guys that have been doing it for a long time, they look at you like you strictly came there to take money out of their wallet. And I know that now because now that I'm kind of experienced in it, whenever I see a new face, I'm like, dang, come on, somebody else that I got to compete against. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so when the sale starts, uh, it's like this perfect storm of nervousness and uh, excitement. And at 10 o'clock on the dot, bullets are flying, so you better be locked in. The lady up front will read off the suit description and the most softest, quietest, yet like talking as fast as a rapper. She's like suit number 632756, yada, 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 yada. A lot of times you can't even hear what she said. And uh, she'll ask if the plaintiff would like to place a bid. 
plaintiff usually raises his hand. You know, I'd like to place a bid for $5,000. And the plaintiff who's representing the bank will go back and forth with a third party until there's a winner. Typically, the bank will give the plaintiff a top dollar that they'll take for the property. And after they get past that, it's a third party against a third party. But the cool thing about it is there's an art to it. So the more you go, the more you kind of recognize tendencies uh, that these other bidders have. So if you come in there like a rookie like me and your voice starts to crack just a little bit, that's like a shark smelling blood to some of those older guys. They just know that like they're about to get you. So if I'm, if my top dollars, you know, $70,000 and we're getting up to like, I'm like, uh, 68,000, they know that they've got it in the bag. They just have to go a little bit higher and they've gotten you beat. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's very intimidating because if you're bidding against somebody else and they're just like, you can't even get the word $68,000 out of your mouth. And then they're already like 69, 60, 75. They'll like try to big wiggy and go like $5,000 ahead. And you're like, okay, this guy's serious. Is there a strategy that you've come up with when it comes to the bidding where you know, all right, if I go up a thousand, they'll go up a thousand. The other guy will now feel emboldened. So he'll go up a thousand. But if you go up 6,000 in one moment, psychologically, it causes pause and they're not quite ready to make the decision to go up higher. Like, do you think about that or is it just something you feel in the moment? It's something you feel in the moment, but at the same time, like you don't want to be silly about it because you know that if their last number was, if their top dollar was $70,000 and then you just said $75,000 and then they didn't bid again, you're like, I just lost $5,000 for trying to be a big dog here. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, it's similar with the MLS listings where a buyer wants to be the highest bid, but they don't want to be higher than they had to be to be the highest bid. So there's always this awkwardness where the buyers will ask the seller, where do we have to be? And the seller will come back and say, well, write your highest and best. And then the buyer will tell their agent, I don't want to, well, how high do I have to go? And there's like an awkwardness. Uh, so I, that's probably just amplified even more in the auctions. Do you just walk in there with a number and you say, this is the highest I'm going to go and I'm, and then this is a number where I would like to be at and, and take it from there? Yes. I'm glad you asked me that because yes, there is a number that I walk in there with. And I will say that I have went over that number every single time I bought a house just because like, you know, the excitement of going along with it. You're like, I don't want, I know that guy. I don't want him to get this house. Like, you know, it's just, there's, there's a lot of high stakes, high emotion. And it, it's very important that if you do go to these sales that you do stick to your top dollar. But uh, I'm a sucker for it. How many of these deals have you actually purchased from the auction? I have bought eight houses from Sheriff Sales. And what has that time span been over? So you started this in 2020? Is that when you bought your first one? Yeah, 2020 is when I bought my first one. And uh, I'm happy to say that the roofs weren't falling in of any of these houses. I've had to make pretty minor repairs to most of them. But uh, I do have friends that have bought houses that literally did not have a ceiling in them. Uh, so you got to be really careful and know what you're buying. Are you able to see the properties before you bid on them? No, absolutely not. No, it's, it's illegal to even go walk in there. It's, it's illegal to go on the property, much less actually peek through the window. What's the logic behind why the seller wouldn't want you to see what you're buying so you feel more comfortable buying it? Uh, I believe that, well, number one, it's really not the owner of the property that is selling the house. I guess it's the, they're getting foreclosed on. So I guess up until the point when that sale actually happens, the previous owner still has possession of the property. So therefore, if you are getting on that person's property, you are technically trespassing on 
what he owns. So it's not that they're trying to stop you from seeing it. It's just that the bank doesn't even have title yet to let you see it. It's still the person who's being foreclosed on that owns the property, and they're not giving you permission to go look at the property. Exactly. Exactly. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability. With Plaid certified tenant income and assets reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. All tenant screening and verification is paid by the tenant and done through the desktop and mobile app. It's time to say goodbye to gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. And as a matter of fact, all Bigger Pockets pros have Rent Ready included in your pro membership. If you're not a pro, Rent Ready is offering you 50% off of their annual plan. New customers visit rentready.com and use code BP2024. That's R E N T R E D I.com using code BP2024. That's VP, like Bigger Pockets, in the year 2024 to save 50% off of one year of Rent Ready. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. What are some reasons that these sheriff's sales would take the property, for example? So, you know, you're, you were talking about the bank is competing against you to actually bid it if they do have a loan on the property. But what are some reasons a property may go to sheriff sale? And are there maybe other liens and judgments on the property, too, that you have to find out about beforehand? Yes. So <clears throat> the only way it makes it to sale is if they were to actually just stop paying their mortgage. And I know that there's multiple notifications that the bank has to give out before that even can make it to the actual uh, sheriff sale. A lot of paperwork, a lot of time has to go into that. Uh, so it's not like you don't pay your mortgage one time and then boom, the next month it's going to sale. It's a long drawn out process. But as far as other liens that could be on the property, it's very important that you do thorough research. And I would recommend hiring an attorney to do title work for you before you bid on these because there is... Some properties will have mechanic liens that won't show up on the clerk of court or, you know, the courthouse documents, but most of that stuff gets wiped clean before the sale. But you have to also be careful because sometimes if you go to the sale, you might be buying a second mortgage on the property and it's not even the first mortgage. So you would really only be like a, have a second position on that property. I, I ask because I have a investor friend that he bought this piece of land from a sheriff's auction, but it wasn't foreclosed on. It was um, the his wife sold cigarettes illegally from the Indian reservation to New Jersey and didn't charge sales tax. And they took that property as like his almost like his fine or whatever for his wife doing that. Yes, restitution. And then they resold it at the sheriff's auction, too. So I didn't know if any of the properties had things like that happen. Uh, you know, I haven't heard of anything like that. The only houses that I bought were because, you know, people didn't pay their mortgage. I have seen partitions at the sheriff's sales was basically like 
one person, one heir owned a certain percentage of a property and they didn't want it anymore. So they had to basically take it to partition because them and the other owner couldn't come up with an agreement on, you know, what they wanted to pay each other for the property or if they even wanted to sell it. So whenever that's the case, they partition it to court. And whenever they do partition it to court, uh, it'll go to a sheriff sale. Okay. Well, it's, it's definitely worth mentioning this because when people hear, I'm going to go buy some for $42,000, that's worth a hundred thousand dollars. They're all going to be rushing in there, but it's, there's a reason that it's, you can get that deal is you're taking a lot of risk. You're buying something that you don't get a home inspection on. You don't know what kind of condition it's in. Like you just mentioned, there could be additional liens or money that is owed that that property is used as collateral on that doesn't have as much equity as you thought. You think you're buying a free and clear, but there's a, a mortgage on it or there's two mortgages on it that it, you could theoretically be buying title to something that already has debt on it. That's more than what you paid for the deal. And then there's the whole element of like, well, is it going to have bad smells? Like there's just a lot you don't know about it. And so that's why you're able to get these margins is because you're taking this risk, but clearly you've jumped in with both feet, similar to what you did when you left your, uh, your education and you said, Hey, I'm going to go start a business. I'm going to figure this out. And you've done well. How were you able to scale eight of them? Were you just selling that many crawfish that you were able to get to the point that you could buy this many houses or were you refinancing these things and pulling money out of them and reinvesting it into the next deal? Yes. So with the original line of credit that I told you guys about previously, after I bought that second house, it was, you know, $38,000. And I think it ended up appraising for somewhere around 75 or some odd like that. So what I did was after I bought that second house, I rehabbed it and I rented it out. And then what's the next step, David? I refinanced it. So <laughs> whenever I, whenever I refinanced it, they basically took the equity I had in the home and used it to pay down my line of credit. And now I have a mortgage on that property, property number two with a freed up line of credit. And I would basically snowball that over and over and over. And eventually it would get to the point where if I had, you know, three properties mortgaged separately, I would bundle those on the next time that I would uh, do a refinance. That way it, everything doesn't seem to scattered out everywhere. And I had, you know, 15 different mortgages. Um, would that be like a portfolio loan you did with like a small community bank did you use? Yeah, I use the same same local bank for that. And I, the way I did it, uh, I usually did, you know, three to five properties at a time. And as I started to do that, you know, they increased the amount of my line of credit as that kind of started to snowball. I, I want to touch on your mobile homes real quick too. With the financing on that, was it hard to get financing on a mobile home? And when you kind of switched to buying these other single family properties, was that easier? No, uh, financing for the mobile homes wasn't very difficult. I now I have, I have worked with buyers before because I also am a real estate agent on the side. So I have worked with buyers and they have ran into some struggles, especially like single wide homes. And if those homes are older than like a 2000s model, they make sure they're retrofitted before the bank will even loan them any money on it. Uh, so you run into uh, different struggles like that. But as far as me using my line of credit to buy this house, I pretty much, you know, bought it cash. If you look at it on paper, bought it cash. And then by that time, whenever the bank refinances it, it's usually just a drive by appraisal. So, uh, I haven't had any hassle on it as far as them not lending money on it due to being a mobile home. 
a drive-by appraisal. I've not had one of those in a very long time. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because appraisals are so easily changed and challenged. And they're so subjective as it is, this idea that like, well, if it's a drive-by, it's not going to be accurate. But if they walk in the house and they can feel the carpet under their feet, they're going to give you an accurate appraisal. It's like, it's such a, a joke when you actually see. And then not to go too far on a tangent, but... All these appraisals in 2005 that showed a house that was worth something were worth absolutely nothing, right? When the market ended up crashing later. So in my opinion, has always been an appraisal as a false sense of security. It's not like they're bad. They do give you an idea if you can look at the comps of other sales. But if you're basing your decision off of an appraisal, you're already doing things wrong. So uh, this is a fascinating story, Hunter. I can see how you have pivoted into the WWE and you have such a big fan base behind you. I mean, I've been riveted this entire time. Uh, you got into self-storage. So you just keep on figuring something out, dominating it, and then moving on. You are like the bigger pockets poster child of what we want people to follow. And here's what I love about your story more than anyone else. We didn't talk about it a lot. You're still working a job. You're like, hey, I'm making good money. I'm doing good with real estate, but it's an investment. It is not a career. So I'm going to keep doing what I do, keep working hard, keep bringing value to the marketplace, keep making money. And then I'm going to use that money to invest in a real estate to set myself up for the future, not retire on the beach and drink Mai Tais. So well done to you. I just want to give you your props, man. This is such a cool story. I hope a lot of people take inspiration from this. Everyone, we have the perfecter of the pivot, the DIY destroyer, the deal hunter Lawler. Thank you for being here, man. Ashley, any last words before we let him get out of here? Uh, yeah, Hunter, I want to know what is your monthly cash flow from your investments on average? You know, and I'm sure it changes, but what's that number? Yearly cash flow is I have it pulled up. Yearly cash flow from my single family homes is forty five thousand. And the storage facility yearly cash flow is at 65000 Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. It's an honor to be on here with you Titans. The honor is ours, my man. Thank you very much for doing this. If you guys would like to learn more about Hunter and connect with them, check out our show notes where his contact information is there. Mine and Ashley's is there as well. Hunter, we're going to let you get out of here because you probably got another deal to hunt. This is David Green for Ashley, my new co-host, Care, signing off. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own.
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.